Okay, so if you're discussing the concepts of questions which are negated to my Sibirishis, and as the Olim is showing that there are lots and lots of different uh, ways or directions questions can come up, and uh, this, even before we get to where the question is coming from, is it coming from some uh, someone who's learned a little bit about the topic or someone who has some uh, family history or, or superstition about whatever it is? You know, what's the premise that they're asking the question based on? So there's lots of different angles we can talk about Horatius. Um, let's start with the most basic question. The most question, basic question. And that is uh, not a new question. It's really a challenge from a long time ago, from the time of the Greeks. And that is, who says it was a Horatius? Who says it was a Horatius? Now, what's the other option? What's the other option? So... The other option is, maybe the world's been going forever. The world's been going forever. That question could come across as uh, as a stunt, uh, like a attack. Like you, you're presenting in the Torah's opinion, prove it. And uh, the, the follow-up, if the person's a little bit more intelligent, that's going to be that no one was around to see that, right? Veracious happened before the human being was created. So who's telling us this happened? Where's the proof? That could be the one track. Now, they were discussing the actual idea that there was a creation. As opposed to the concept which isn't new. This is already brought down in the, in the Midrash of the Olam Kadman, which means that there always was. It never, never, it never began, it always was. Interestingly enough. Now, if that's, the, if that's where the question is coming from, so then we're going to go exactly the route we said we're going to go. We're going to break down the question into who's asking it. If we're talking about somebody who's actually studied uh, today's science, and therefore they're coming from the science position that the world was created some 50 or however many hundred billion years ago, whatever it's going to be, right? uh, I've played the numbers every so often. But uh, whatever it is, that, and therefore that's, that's the position he's holding by, so why does the Torah say different? Okay, so then really what you need to do, that's the way the question is being asked, is to explain where the Torah's numbers come from. And we can do that. Like I said, if you want to argue science, you have to know science. It doesn't help to argue something you don't understand. But it's, uh, we can discuss a little bit that as well. That's the, that will be the, the chacham way of answering the question. Someone who has an opinion, who thinks they understand the topic, and we can discuss with them. The other way is, like we said, the challenge. The person doesn't know more, but like, how do you know? Who said? Where's the proof? The Russian, the Russian approach. And then there's this, the time approach, and I want to start with because it's the most basic way in this case. And that is... Like, how did you get to that number? Where did the Torah get this uh, 5,700 whatever years from? Okay. So, and at the same time, where did you get from it? The world's created. Maybe it was much longer than that. Fine. So, if you're starting with the time answer first, but as a shim, we'll get to others today as well. Again, I could, if, I could elaborate and give a shir on this just on one point, and you might be needed to call them to do that when you want to answer the question. But for the sake of getting through information, I'm just going to give the main points, and then you can, elab- you can decide yourself how to expand on it or to expand it. Okay, so number one, the important point is we have a Messiah. We're talking about the time question first. Right? And we can tell you exactly door by door by door, generation by generation, exactly what happened in each time, and who was the father of who, and who was the son of who, and who received the Messiah from who. Right back to the Mauritian. There are no gaps. It's not like we're coming along to create something which... Uh, you know, from a long time ago, this is the, without, with anything unclear or anything like black holes in the story, 
and this is the, we just know such a thing happened. We can tell you exactly. From exactly when he said the world's creation was liberation until today. Uh, uh, generation after generation, in each Pudar, who lived, how long he lived, when his son was, and who was, how it, how it passed down to us. Now, therefore, do we have a tradition going back to Bereshis, which is, so to speak, unbroken? Yes. Yes. If you look for any other, I'm just saying this by way of explanation, but if you look in the various ancient religions or beliefs, there were many other options right, of how people believe things began. Right? I would call them superstitions, but let's even say they were beliefs of the ancient people. Whether it was through various uh, elephants or monsters or all kinds of ideas of how the world came into being. And you can ask any one of these things. Do you have, tell me something. Do you have a accurate timeline from then to today? Generation by generation of when this happened and what happened since then. Can you tell us exactly when it happened and from then to do now? Do you have an accurate mystery of such a thing? You won't find that. It's something lost in legend. Lost in legend. And therefore, you're, going to, you're right. Something which is believed, or something which once, once upon a time, a long time ago, something happened, then you can't back up such a story. You can't verify it. Right? You have no, even oral tradition of it, you have no witnesses to it. You have no hemshech. If you're going to tell you that we have a timeline, which every single door, right, from then till today, we can give you the accurate calendar with every, all, the, all the information filled in, so there's something accurate here. Now, you might have to digress here for a moment to explain the weight of an argument of Nusayra. This normally gets into an argument about Satayra more, but we could do that. We could digress to explain why the argument of Messiah, which something is an accurate tradition from generation to generation, is a strong argument. Right, we can discuss that. Just like the, that, that's the Messiah, that same concept is how we know about anything which happened more than 200, 300 years ago. Who was there to see it? But we know, because people who were there told their children, who wrote it down, told the next generation, whatever it's going to be. So any major world event, how do you know there was Napoleon? How do you know there was George Washington? How do you know that there was the Roman Empire? However far back you want to go. Right? It's, it's all based on the, on the Standing on the veracity that there's something called Masara, which means tradition. Right? Because maybe the, maybe it was made up. Maybe the ancient writers just falsified it was all fiction. Why don't we say that? Because we know there's something which is called multi-track, which means there's so many different sources of information for it, and it's passed down accurately in so many different directions. So we know it's coming from a, a, a real uh, event which must have happened. Well, they quote just carbon So I said, we're going to get to the Chacham arguments next. Now we're talking about the time arguments. How do you know? How do we know? Because we have a tradition going back. We can, we can build it up to explain this more. We can show how in every single bar this was. Un- now, that's the first point. The second point. And this is the, read, the, second, the second point of the argument. This is more for the Russia argument. Right? And that is, today, this we can work, we can so to speak, use science as a way to help us here. No one claims the world was forever. The argument is going to be like the originally, it's put on Chazal, they held the Olam Kalim and the world existed forever. But today, that's not even an option anymore. But even those evolutionary theorists, whoever, whoever else is going to be, will give you a dateline from when it had to begin. What, what they say it began from, whatever else is going to be, that we can discuss. But the fact that it lasted forever, no one's going to say. Why? Because today we can scientifically prove that's not true. Um, there are a number of ways to do this. And depending on how much you're involved in the field, you can take different tracks. 
I find the easiest way always to go is what we call the, the expansionist theory of the universe. It's the easiest because it's the clearest, uh, it's the clearest science to explain. And that is, again, you can make sure of this, I'm going to say it very briefly, just at the item, here's the main point. That is, and this was always a question, and that is the entire universe, not just the planets or our solar system, but the entire scope of the universe. What's happening with it? Is it all standing in the same place, you know, in relation to each other? All the galaxies, all the solar systems, all the Milky Ways are in a fixed position to each other, what's called the static universe model? Or is it being the gravitational or cross planet planetary gravitational pull is slowly putting everything towards each other which means it's called the imploding universe model because what that means is that if it's static it means it's always going to be in the same place nothing's moving if it's being pulled together it means eventually there's going to be a tremendous crash because everything gets pulled into its outer orbit it's all going to you know collide at tremendous speed or the third option is is that an expansionist universe theory which means the world's expanding which means the planets are getting further away from each other, not the planets, the solar systems are getting further and further away from each other. Now, why does this make a difference? Why does it have to be one of the three? What options do you have? There, back. I'll talk about that. Uh, that's that's just the second point, which means if it, if we decide it's moving in one direction or other direction, then we can ask the question, maybe this is part of a, a process which changes. But first, which one is it? First, let's analyze what's happening now. Then we can ask what's, what, what else would happen. Okay. Now, it was always understood that it was a static model of the universe, and the reason for that was it makes sense. It will always be the same. Right? So if you're going to work with a static universe model, that means that it could have been forever. Everything is staying in exactly the same place. Obviously, they're moving in relation to each other, but the model is static. So it could have always been static. This was the Hanukkah taken on by science for hundreds of years. When Einstein came to explain his theory of relativity, so a number of other scientists told him, if that's the case, you have to say that the universe is expanding. Right, I'm not going to the, the, the details why it's like that now, but that's what they came out. The fresh when you're giving us, it has to be the universe is expanding. And he refused to accept that. Oh yes, we have his writings. That he refused to accept that the, that the universe is expanding. He believed in the static universe model. In the 1950s, when they, in America, they built what was called the Hubble Telescope. So you could see these things. Then it became clear without any argument the universe expanding. You can see the planets moving, the solar is moving further away. And uh, even though Einstein had previously written, you have clearly that he doesn't, he believes the universe model is static. After having been shown this, he wrote himself that science is proof of religion. Why? Why? It didn't make him a mummy, by the way, but he came to a science is proof of religion. Why? Because it's a problem. If the universe is static, it's always been there. But if it's not static, so what we would expect to happen is there's a pull of gravity, which means it should be putting everything into each other. So if the gravity is balanced, that everything's holding each other in place, okay. But if it's not staying fast, then the pull should pull together. What would push it out? What would push it further out? Why would it expand? It's, that's going against gravity. So what's the answer? The only answer has to be that there was some initial force which sent everything out at such speed that it's moving further away, even though it's going against gravity. Which means, if I would take a ball and throw it up into the air, it's going up. Oh, gravity would put it down. But there's the force you applied to it from the beginning, which is sending, which is stronger than the pull of gravity. Right? Which means that things had to have started from something. Because there had to be that initial thing, which is stronger than the pull of gravity, which is sending things outwards. But now there's a question. This brings us to what we've studied before. Let's think about this. Okay, accept it. But let's go back to my motion. If you take a ball and throw it up in the air, what's going to happen? 
it's going to go up, 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 until it reaches a certain height, and then it's going to stop and fall down again. Why? What happens? And the answer is, and this is partially basic, basic science, the answer is, when I sent it up, it was a certain force. That force is stronger than gravity, so it's going up. But that force wears off, and then gravity takes over, it'll pull it back down again. Right? However high, however you're going to throw something, or however, whatever speed you're going to use to get to, to send it up, right? At some stage, just the force is going to lessen, and then as soon as that happens, the force of gravity will pull it back down again. Unless, unless something's going so fast that it maintains a speed higher or far stronger, or a force stronger, the gravity will pull it back down, which means it'll never come back down. In uh, basically, when you want to send a rocket into space, that's what you have to do. You have to maintain the speed fast enough that gravity can't pull it back down again. Now, eventually, but until you do that, you have to keep the speed faster that it won't get pulled back. One second. Now we come to our next question, and that is, that is, when even if you're going to look at a, a model of universe which is expanding, right? But maybe it's expanding and it's going to reach a point where it slows down and stops and it's going to get pulled back in again. And now, why would the why would this help anything? So this is where science has to be a bit inventive, right? Because they said, if that's the case, okay, we've come up with a new theory. And the theory is that things aren't static, but this is a cycle which keeps repeating itself, right? Matter explodes, it sends itself far out because of the force of the explosion. Eventually it slows down, then it all gets pulled back into the center again by the gravitational pull of everything. And a tremendous collision of all the planets in the world smashing again, we'll stand after it again, right? The recoil effect. So, no creator. This is an ongoing process. In, out, in, out. It takes a few million years each time, but that's what happens. Right? That was the next theory. Now, how do you prove that? It's very simple. How do you prove it? It's very simple. And that is, I'm going back to my motion. Right? If, you, if, if as I throw the ball up, it slows down, it starts fast and slows down gradually, you can see that it's losing its force and gravity is going to overcome it. If it's speeding up as it goes... Then it's exactly the opposite. It, you're going to break the gravitational pull and it'll never come back in again. It's, it's, it, as it speeds up, it means the for, it's getting further and further away, so gravity has less and less of an effect on it. So let's go back to the telescopes. We want to check. Right? When you see that everything's receding, when we see matters receding, right, is this going faster or slower? So you just have to give it some time. You can see it. Watch. And have a look. Judge the speed. Right? And they came up with the less than the public. It's speeding up. It's speeding up. Matter's moving away from each other at a faster pace than before, not slow. If that's the case, the Moscona that is, even Einstein himself, who was not a believer, but he came to, and subsequently everyone has to come to, and that is, there's no eta. There was a starting point of the universe. And it's not a repeating model. It's not that it keeps going in and out. It's not going to come back in again. This is stronger than gravity. Why can't we say there's major celestial bodies that are at the corners that we don't have a telescope you can see and that has its own gravitational pull. Uh, you, we can pass the position whatever you want. That's, that's in a different topic of what created the world. But it doesn't make that's a difference. Theory of why it's going Either then, even you're going to say that, it means the world at a starting point and it's not a continual cycle. We're not, we're not talking about who's the creator. We're talking about did the world begin or does the world always? The world is when it has to have begun. Uh, you can see, you can work it out backwards, right? If everything is moving out from a central point at a certain speed, so there was a certain point where it's all in one point and moved out from there. And uh, is this going to be a repeating cycle? No. It's, it's working the wrong direction for that. So therefore, if you're going to go with the, the argument, how do you know there was a beginning to the world? Yeah, we can prove it to you scientifically. Now, I can, I'm just giving one example. This is... Uh, what causes it to accelerate? Sorry? What causes everything to accelerate? The force that it went, went shut out. Force, the original force. Keep it constant, no, 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 no. 
well, things can accelerate, but then it has to be stronger than gravity. Well, of course, it's to decelerate with gravity. If it's working faster than that, then it's like something going through in space. There's nothing to hold back. Right. So the gravity is not having an effect, but the matter when they inspected it, they see it, they can see it. it's not. Okay, so that's a bit, and then that's just one out of a few arguments, right, to explain there must have been a beginning point. I just use what they call the argument from astronomy because it's the easiest one to explain. But there are there other systems we can explain in the world also to prove that there must have been a starting point. Okay, so now we've explained two things. We've explained, you could explain how do we know from the thumb perspective of, well, we have a messiah. We can explain accurately back to where it began from. We can explain it from the challenge perspective, and that is how do you know? We use science to prove it. Now, the next, we don't have time for this today, but uh, this is the topic we're going to discuss next time, Be'ez Hashem, is uh, if you want from the perspective of what we call the Chacham argument, which is the person wants to understand, right? And they're going to bring in other possibilities, whether it's going to be evolution or spontaneous evolution or all the other theories which have been brought up to to argue the point of Bria Sa'ilam, which Agav, they aren't really arguing Bria Sa'ilam. They're just arguing the process after that, Right? Everybody agrees it was a starting point. And not only that, evolution also admits it can't explain its starting point. That's an important point to remember. Right? They have to say there was the beginning point, whether it was proteins or amino acids or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't make a difference. But it started with that. And where did that come from? They can't explain that. So any other theory in the world doesn't explain there must have been a beginning point which they can't define. They can just... If you have to come to theory, it always was. But if you, if you, that isn't the theory. So now we have to say there was a starting point, which science will tell It's not our job to explain. We don't know how it came. That's where it started from. We've got to work from there. Okay, so the fact that it has to be in the first course, or first point, no one's arguing with that. No one's arguing with that. You can either say it always was there, or you can say it had to have been created. There's no other explanation given ever for how else it came into being. And remember the principle of Chayim Salvavos, who also says this in his own words, in the very Shari Yechud, and that is, the other phase is, things don't create themselves. That's an axiom which is very posh. Something can't create itself. So therefore, if there's matter in the world, it must have been created. Either you're going to say it's here forever, which we can see that's not the case, must have been created. Okay. So that, 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 that can, we've certainly explained Bria Sa'ila, that there must have been the concept of Bria Sa'ila. Now we can argue, what's the system after that? We can argue how do you know there was a bayre. So that's the second discussion. But on the first point, was the world created, or was was it always? Like I said, we're giving three three tracks now to explain how we get to the Muslim, the concept of the Quran.